Order in the court. It's time for Understanding the Law Radio. Well, hi, and thanks for joining us for another episode of Understanding the Law Radio. I'm your host, Peter Lamont, along with my co-host, Brendan. That's right. And this is the beginning of the Halloween podcast season for us. That's right. I love Halloween. Yep, and we're, we're, we're very close to Halloween. We are, and we're going to be doing a series of Halloween-related podcasts that you don't want to miss. You don't want to miss. Even if you don't like horror movies, even if you don't like Halloween, That's right. That's you don't right. want to miss them. Uh, we're going to be talking about all kinds of stuff. They're, they're, I got to tell you, this is super interesting. I'm very mm-hmm. excited about this next sequence, this next series of podcasts. Yes, as am I. We are going to be talking about everything from strange Halloween lawsuits to horror movies, and then we've got a really uh, good, I think it's good, I think it's a good, fun episode coming up where we're actually going to talk about legal issues in existing horror movies. A lot of fun. I'm into that. And we're going to wrap up this week. You know, I think that Michael Myers stabbing people might be illegal. So there's one. Done. Okay. There's one. We're done done with this. Yep. All right. Um, And we're going to wrap this entire podcast series, our Halloween podcast series up with you and I going yeah. through a list of horror movies. And doing what with them? We are going to rank them rank as our them? favorites. Oh, be, I'm into right, this. Right. Yes. So not that's going to be our, our bonus episode for this series. I was just going to ask you, I was just about to ask you, what's your favorite horror movie? But now we are limiting that information. Yeah. I mean, who are you? The guy from Scream? Who? Oh, no. I'm, I'm not the guy from Scream. No. <laughs> All right. I was so confused. All right. So- on today's episode, what we're going to do is we're going to, you know, we, we've done this every year, and every year we come up with new Halloween lawsuits that are very interesting. Yes. And there's a very scary voice. <laughs> and and we've got a whole new list that we're going to go through. So today's episode, we're going to focus on ho- real lawsuits involving Halloween, as strange as they All right. may seem. All right. So we're going to start off, uh, Brent, why don't you start off with the first one, Okay. cigarette slip up. All right. So, do you do you attend Halloween parties frequently? You know, I'd like to say yes, but yeah. my life is so boring. That's All sad. I do is work and That's other sad. things that are not related to fun. Well, I'm a real party animal. <laughs> I'm at every Halloween party there is. I've always got the greatest costume. Uh, no, I'm kidding. You're just looking for the candy. Well, no, I am at the greatest Halloween party every year. It's in my house in front of the candy bowl on the porch. <laughs> okay. Well, Frank Ferlito and his wife Susan liked Halloween parties, and they attended a costume party dressed as Little Bo Peep and her sheep. The handmade costume was worn by Mr. Ferlito, and he constructed it from Johnson & Johnson cotton balls. During the I party, take it he was the sheep? He was the sheep, okay. yes. During the party, he lit a cigarette, and it caused the costume to catch on fire. He suffered burns as a result. Unfortunate incident, very upsetting. Were they bad burns? Wow. <laughs> Using a person's suffering as a joke. That's the scariest thing this episode. Uh, He lit the cigarette, caused his costume to catch on fire. He suffered burns. Uh, They sued Johnson & Johnson for failure to warn. They then went on to testify that they were both aware the product was flammable. They also testified that a warning on the package would not have deterred her from using cotton balls. Um, so, I guess the outcome is nothing. Yeah, for being a uh, dumb sheep. It was found 
it was not found to be a proximate cause of Mr. Felito's injuries. Very sad for him. I, 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 I'm going to tell you something. I know you'd hear this and you'd be like, what? He lit his, he lit a cigarette while in the costume. I would do the same. Okay. If I was, I would not, I don't smoke, but if I did theoretically smoke, I would not have thought of that. And then I, I would have been lit on fire and it would have been unfortunate. I, I don't blame him here. I mean, I, I mean, I blame them, but I can, I can see, you know, it's slipping the mind and then you light a cigarette really? and then boom. Really? Right. So I understand. He I went from I understand. being the white sheep to the black sheep. Uh, probably. <laughs> Again, very sad. Here we are. Someone who was, would you like to be in a, in a giant wool costume look, lit on look, fire? I got to say this. I got to say that I think I would, pro- I don't know. I mean, I don't smoke either, so I don't know what that urgent need is as you're, but I got to say this, I, I give him props because he must have used a hell of a lot of cotton balls. That's very true. He yeah. must have been so completely like covered. decked out. Yeah. Head to toe in cotton balls. Yeah. Excellent. Well, I mean, I mean, I don't know. I think that not testifying that you would have, uh, would have stopped if there was a warning is probably bad. And also saying that you were aware it was flammable. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't even know why they filed the the case. Well, now we're going to talk about the broken nose. Broken nose. Which one? There are a lot of broken noses. Well, this one in particular deals with De- uh, Deborah May, who okay. entered a dark haunted house, as opposed to the uh, illuminated, illuminated haunted, haunted, houses, houses. haunted houses. Right. She entered a dark haunted house knowing that she might be scared by what was inside. As she was walking through the house, someone jumped out from the dark and hollered. And you know what happened? No. She got startled, she began to run away, and she crashed face first into a cinder block wall covered with black as fabric. As you chuckle. I you can't chuckle help it. as you say it. I can't help it. Wow. We have <laughs> a true monster <laughs> laughing at others' injuries. All right. So she suffered a broken nose, required two surgeries. That's, that's unfortunate. And she filed a lawsuit against the owners of the haunted house. Yeah. Now, first of all, before I tell you what the court did, right? You mm-hmm. know when you go into a haunted house. Yeah, you know you're going to get scared. Yeah. You know, you're going there to get scared. Yes. Right? You're not going there to get a, a warm hug. Yeah. No, you're going I, there I to wouldn't. get the, the crap scared out of you. Well, anyway, um, poor Miss Mays, she said that, that, that she was very scared, right? Mm-hmm. Very mm-hmm. You know, upset. Uh, but the court found that the defendant had no duty to protect her from reacting in a, quote, bizarre frightened and unpredictable way end quote because when someone enters a haunted house they expect to be surprised startled and scared so the owners of the haunted house had no liability i mean i don't know what she was expecting when i I get being scared Yeah, i get being scared could you if it was dark and i ran in a direction i could understand but you know i mean if it's dark, don't start running, you know? Because... She must have been running, though, like the cartoon characters who their feet are like like Fred Flintstone. You know that, that noise that the yeah. feet make? What is yeah. that? I wish I had I that sound effect. Right? And then they just take off like you're running on water. Could you imagine that? That's the scariest yeah. thing that you would have seen that night. A woman running face first into a cinder block wall. Well, now we move on to our <laughs> third one. And luckily, this doesn't involve any injuries, so we can't upset more people. <laughs> So shocking, so shocking that you are finding this humorous. <sighs> so there was a man, and he, in his front lawn, put up tombstones, which are a pretty, you know, standard. normal Halloween decoration. Pretty standard. 
However, one of the tombstones seemed to be, and, and, and I have to mention, all of them were inscribed and they had like little messages. However, one of them seemed to be referring to the man's neighbor named Jim. It read, here lies Jimmy, the old town idiot, mean as sin, even without his gin. No longer does he wear that stupid old grin. Oh no, not where they've sent him. Jimmy, their neighbor, looked at that and was pretty angry. And as it turns out, all throughout the uh, the tombstones, neighbors were realizing these inscriptions were about them. That's epic. This man took out his anger on his neighbors by having these tombstones. That's pretty good. The police were called. The neighbors filed complaints. They insisted that he get rid of them. He decided, I'll just cover up the names. And so he covered it up with tape. Throughout the night, uh, the tape fell off, and the police were called again. And this time they arrested him. They cuffed him, but he said, I would rather get rid of the tombstones than be arrested. And the officer said, okay. And so the guy, he let him go, and the guy did it. But the guy argued that this was against his a violation of his uh, freedom of speech. He sued the officer. Uh, while the court found that the tombstone messages were indeed protected under the First Amendment, they concluded that the officer made a reasonable mistake in believing that he could constitutionally order the Pertels to remove the tombstones. That was their yeah. last name. Uh, therefore, the officer was entitled to qualified immunity. So here's the here's what where this went wrong. Yeah. If I can uh, throw some legal light mm-hmm. on this, it went wrong because the guy should have simply. Let let himself be arrested if he felt that strongly because it was a freedom of speech protection. He he could have kept them up, but yeah. but but no, I would, wouldn't encourage anyone to get arrested. I mean, you know, it, it's not worth it, right? But when you sue the police department, they do have heightened immunities. So you have to show that's what the qualified immunity thing was here. You have to show that they acted grossly negligent, and the fact that the the police officer thought he could curtail free speech which you would think like how unreasonable is that you're a police officer you should know what the laws are so you know you can see how one might consider that unreasonable Mm -hmm. but it's such a high standard before you're able to sue a municipality or or a governmental agency or entity or police officer in this matter so even though the guy made a mistake he was entitled to qualified immunity so I don't know. If I were in this situation, first of all, I think it was genius that that he did this to take out his frustration. Um, <laughs> but I, I don't know. I mean, I, I think that the police had no authority over this, so they shouldn't have done anything. Um, I, I'm not sure how I would have handled this because really what they, they should have done, they, they didn't like it. The police should have said, we can't help you. This is a civil matter. This is a freedom of speech matter. We can't do anything about this. You're not doing anything wrong. There were no grounds to arrest him. So they should have just, if they, they wanted it down, they should have filed a civil lawsuit, and then they would have lost under the First Amendment. So that's how I feel about that one. Hmm. All right, but moving on. Moving yeah. on. This, this, this next one I actually have a lot of thoughts on. Oh, good. And I'm I am so not, glad. I am not, you know the law or anything but i think this is very interesting all right well you know those those mazes halloween mazes i love them yes i, I do not why because they're scary how are they scary halloween mazes and you go in and what if it's a corn maze what if it's just a okay corn well if maze? it's a plain corn maze but i don't think this is a plain corn maze you think there's children in the corn 
I don't think there's children in the corn. No. Well, in a corn maze, there are usually children in the corn. Well, not They're this not kind of corn of maze. Corn. No, this is a this is a different kind of corn maze. A non-children of the corn corn maze. All right. Well, this deals with Gracie Gale Derman, who was walking through a scary corn maze mm-hmm. when she was met by a man with a chainsaw dressed as Jason Voorhees right. from the horror movie Friday the Thirteenth. So Derman, frightened, tried to run away. This is another another runner. We got a runner. Tried to run away, but fell and broke her leg after slipping on muddy ground. She then sued the maze owners for negligence because of the muddy conditions. But since the muddy conditions were obvious and open, and German knew that the maze's purpose was to scare the participants, the defendants were found not negligent. They were not negligent in causing the plaintiff's injuries. So I want to hear all your thoughts about this. I kind of think it's not her fault at all. I don't think that there's any any fault of hers. How? Because the ground was muddy, and I feel like, I don't know, but I feel like there should be some kind of code that has to be kept up. Like, that's like saying, oh, I went into a, a, a restaurant, I saw the floor was wet, I knew the floor was wet, but I slipped and fell and injured myself, um, therefore, it's, you know... It's not your fault. No, it, it's the responsibility of the restaurant to put up a wet floor sign. All right, but hold on. You just bring up a point that, first of all, this this isn't saying that she was at fault. This no, but I think, that the, that, the, I think specifically the corn maze was at fault. Okay, and, and you're wrong, and here's why. Whoa. <laughs> Harsh statement here. You gave, you gave an example of a, a grocery store. Is it is is it reasonable to expect that a grocery store floor is going to be wet? Is that reasonable? No. Right. Is it reasonable that an outdoor corn maze where there's weather conditions that you can't control may be muddy? Is that reasonable <sighs> to it? Yeah. I'd, I don't know. It I is. Yeah, I know the answer is, yeah, it's reasonable to assume, but... I don't know. I mean, it's it's a natural reaction to your jump or, or okay. run. But, but again, she went into the maze knowing that she was going to be scared. All right, so there's no surprise there. All right, fine. She had an, a, a reaction. She couldn't help it. She got scared and ran. But the the when they say open and obvious, if you have a condition in a um, a, a, a lawsuit involving um, premises liability, and there's something open and obvious. It's like, hey, look, if there's a box left on the floor in front of you and you trip over it, mm-hmm. the defense is, but wait a minute, it was open and obvious. It's not a hidden defect. You saw it. You ran into it. That's not on us. So the argument is that you saw the mud, right? Because she must have walked through the mud to get to the point where she got scared. So you've got the A, you have a reasonable it's reasonably foreseeable mm-hmm. the ground in an outside corn maze would be wet, that there would be mud. And then, two, she must have walked through the mud to get to where she was, making the mud open and obvious. And so, three, when she got scared and ran, how is it the corn maze's fault? That's, that's how that's that... a good point. That's a good point. That's how... I mean, I understand what you were saying with the grocery store, but there's a different standard for each of these things. Very so, true. So now we know. I don't know. I think that's very interesting, personally. It is. So uh, you want to move on to one of my favorite Halloween tales? Sure. This is one of your favorite Halloween tales? No, I was just making that up. Oh. Go ahead. (laughs) Okay. Um, There was a man in West Virginia 
who um, witnessed a large amount of decorated spiders. They were up, uh, just decorations. Okay. He and it, it was it was specifically um, a a a prosecutor. It was like in his office. It was you know he saw it in the office. Someone had put it up. He took out a gun. The prosecutor took out a gun. Yes. Okay. He took out a gun and insisted he was going to begin shooting these replica spiders with his gun out of fear. He was afraid of the spiders. Yes. Talk about fight or uh, or fight or flight. This was fight. Okay. He was ready to kill this guy and his fear of spiders. Sounds like somebody that I know. I hate spiders. I know. I hate them so much. I'm never giving you a gun. Oh, uh, it was awful. Oh, yeah, please don't. Please don't. Although, you know what? I think I'd just run. I don't think I'd fight. I saw a video of spiders once, and I got so scared. And it was just like on my phone. I saw like, oh, look, this spider was in my ceiling. And I saw it crawl into a crevice. And I was like, oh, my gosh. And I you know, I had to shake out my hair, all that. It was It's awful. It's awful. I hate them. They're stupid and well, awful. so did I this would guy. Shoot them. Yeah, I'm on this guy's side completely. All right. All right. Uh, and he was... <laughs> he was uh for he was suspended and the 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 um the prosecuting attorney was forced to suspend him explaining that he really hates spiders and that the gun wasn't actually loaded the decorations really? were then removed really yeah that's insane talk about look i mean i can i can totally see why the woman ran into the cement wall right right uh, that i get it yeah this no way yeah no way <laughs> And you know what? What what kind of aim did this guy right? think he That's had? That's what I was thinking. And like, if there were real spiders, he would never get them. What's the, what's that Will Smith played DC superhero? Oh, Deadshot? Bullseye or no. something like that. Maybe it was one Deadshot. of the one of the yeah, right. maybe. He must have been that guy because if he was going to take out all those spiders one bullet at a time, he must have been pretty darn good. Yeah. All right. So, I I like going to um parks amusement parks around halloween now i have to say i haven't done it in years but one year i remember taking my then girlfriend um who i didn't marry she was just a girlfriend so i clear that up so nobody confuses it with my wife just a girlfriend um to six flags to fright fest oh yeah fright fest was it was super fun right i didn't know what to expect was it scary yeah, it was. I mean, it was a long time ago, so I'm pulling on my recollection from years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, it was fun, scary. I remember going on this haunted hayride that was pretty scary, um, but there was some other like really weird stuff there. Like there was a beheading, which was super cool. That does not sound cool. Oh, it was. It was really cool. That was cool. And then, then there were like some seance people, like real fortune tellers that were reading tarot cards, and that stuff scares me. Yeah. Like the real supernatural, like stuff with the devil, that stuff scares me. Scares you? Yeah, yeah. I, I'm okay watching somebody get their head chopped off, but you give me a tarot card reader and I'm starting to like sweat a little bit. <laughs> well, Dorney Park is one of those places that have the equivalent of a Fright Fest, right? Yeah. And they have something that uh, is part of their Halloween haunts. So there was a woman, Pennsylvania woman, who went to... Dorney Park for their Halloween attraction. And it, it was called this area, this walking area. You know how like they segment the parks and it's like, this is the scary ghost area. This is the, right? Yes, yes. Well, this area was called Carnival. 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 Right. And what do you like think? Like an evil carnival. Yes. 
Like right? I've got it. Carnival. And so there was a, a person dressed as a clown. Okay. Clowns also scare me. <laughs> Very much so. Those are the two things. I the don't devil like clowns. And clowns. Yes. Don't like clowns. When I was a kid, as an aside, went down to Seaside. Anybody that lives in New Jersey, you know what Seaside used to be. Like, mm-hmm. right? And I remember I was I was really little. I had to have been six years old. My parents won me Corky the Clown. And Corky was this cork clown that sat in this plastic bubble that they hung from my ceiling. He scared the crap out of me every <laughs> single night. I could not wait to get rid of Corky. And and then Poltergeist also scared the crap out of me because of the clowns. Well, anyway, getting back to Carnival. This Pennsylvania woman was walking through that part of the attraction when an employee, park employee, dressed as a clown, fired off an air cannon. You know what those air cannons yes. are? Yes, I do. They're pretty cool. They're cool. Right? Like, you know, you can feel that whoosh of air when mm-hmm. they come up. Well, reportedly, the clown was clowning around too closely to this guest. Oh, yeah. And she ultimately filed a claim saying that she suffered hearing loss. Oh, that's not good. No, it's not good. So the plaintiff, she filed a lawsuit, she became the plaintiff, uh, not just a guest at Carnival, um, but she alleged that she suffered hearing loss. She had doctors testify on her behalf. Ultimately, the case was settled. Um, you know, So that one's interesting because while, yes, you expect to be scared by clowns at the Carnival area of the park, you don't expect to lose your hearing because <laughs> some guy jumps out and does it too closely to you. So yes. that's that that one. And I'm laughing at your pronunciation of Carnival. Yeah, you're just trying to clarify the, that you're not laughing. Yeah, I'm at not the laughing loss. at the victims here. Okay, I don't. You do that. All right. You want to. I'm not going to, you know. Oh, man. You reap what you sow. Okay. All right. When okay. you go up into heaven at your death, you know who will be waiting for you? A woman with a big cement wall. And a clown. And a clown with an air cannon. <laughs> I don't think they're in heaven, buddy. But you, <laughs> you think, think so? <laughs> that's a whole nother. That's a whole <laughs> different. Thing. All right. Not our show. All right. So let's talk about movies a little bit. Okay. You want to talk about movies? I'd love movies. Ghostbusters. Yeah, I like that movie. You want to talk about Ghostbusters? I like to talk about Ghostbusters. Do you think of that as a Halloween movie? No, not really. I mean, it's got ghosts, but it's not a Halloween movie. It's no. not Halloween. You know what I mean? He, look, we all know it's a comedy, but even as a as as a comedy, I don't think of it as a Halloween movie ever. Yeah. Right. I I it's more of a it's a fun comedy. It's 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 not scary. It doesn't have Halloween elements, and I feel like while it has ghosts, that doesn't make something a Halloween movie. Does have you know, a, 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 something? It has to be, um, in order for something to feel like a Halloween movie, it has to feel scary. It has to have the hollow. It has to be set during Halloween, or at least one of the two things. So, like, I agree. You know, Halloween is the perfect Halloween movie. It is. It is both scary. It, it takes place very much Halloween feel. It's awesome. Yes, but something like I don't know. You know, I don't know. Well, something even, like Ghostbusters, right. it's not scary. There's no f- horror element. It's not set during Halloween. Nope. They don't make they don't make reference to Halloween frequently or have any other symbolism besides ghosts. We have determined that Ghostbusters is not a Halloween movie. And even the like the like the like the titular ghost in the in the in the titular. The, nice. <laughs> no. <laughs> the, 
the logo ghost that holds uh, up the the two and the two movie. Yeah, yeah. He is the only thing that's even slightly similar to classic Halloween ghosts. So I'm going to say no. We have jumped to Ghostbusters two already. No, we not. Okay, let's go back not to Ghostbusters yet. one. Yeah, Ghostbusters. Right, it did. It was a great movie. Love yes, it. And yes. it did have an awesome soundtrack. That it did. Legendary, awesome soundtrack. Well, do you know much about the news? Um, no, I don't really watch the news. How about Huey Lewis and the news? What did he do? What happened? Well, do you know we we got this this Ghostbusters situation yes. where there's a tie-in? Who would have thought that Ghostbusters thought? and Huey Lewis and the news would cross oh, yeah. paths? So here's something very interesting. This is very interesting. During test screenings of the movie and 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 uh, early builds of the of the final product, they used the song Huey Lewis and the News. I want a new drug. Okay. They use it as temporary background music to show what kind of sound the producers wanted. And that happens all the time because I remember, I'll tell you this story real quick. Or maybe I'll save it for another episode. Let me just tell you that I saw a screening of a movie before it came out. And and we're gonna we're gonna t- I'm not gonna tell you what it we're was. We're gonna talk about this or who I saw. We're okay. not gonna but I am gonna tell you that the the music in the movie mm-hmm. before it was released, it was test footage to see what an audience would, would think, was from the crow. Oh really? Yeah. Okay, that's all I'm going to tell you. Okay, well, the movie wasn't The Crow? No, it wasn't. And we'll get to that in our next one of I our next I also saw Halloween a movie podcast. screening. But the movie I saw screened was three years before it finally came out. Well, that's partially because of COVID. Yes, I, I'm, gonna, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to tell the whole story. You want me to save this for Let's the next save one? It. Let's, Let's save, save it for the Let's next one. Let's just get yeah, right, right. Into, into Ghostbusters. So, uh, Ghostbusters soundtrack became super popular, and the Ghostbusters song became a huge hit. But Huey Lewis thought it was a ripoff of I Want a New Drug and asserted a copyright infringement claim against Columbia Pictures. The studio settled quietly out of court, so there's no decision on this one. But we have both songs. Well, here's the thing. When you told me about this, I said to you, you're nuts. Yeah, right. Exactly. There's no way. What are you even talking about? It it sounds similar. So now think, if you're listening to this out there, think in your head, right? Huey Lewis in the news, I want a new drug. I want a new drug. All right. Bum, bum, right, right, okay. And then Ghostbusters. Who are you going to call? Right? Totally right, different, different song. song. But actually, listen to it. Are right, you ready? Here we go. Here Your we mind go. is going to be blown. Right? Mind blown. This is Huey Lewis in the news, I want a new drug. Okay, you hear that? That's all we need to hear. Okay, that's all we need to hear, because then we're going to get into Ghostbusters, and you're like, what? They're not even close. But it's close. Right? Yeah. Wait, do we need to go back and hear from Huey Lewis again? Because yeah, before we get copyright I, I just, wait, here we go. Listen to Huey Lewis. Yeah. Right? Very similar. Very, very similar. Very surprising. And it, it they must have been concerned enough to settle that. Yeah. I don't think it's a ripoff. I don't think it's a ripoff. And, you know, I've heard songs that are directly inspired from other existing songs, and it goes completely fine because with something like music, it's it's hard to say, like, you ripped off my song without it being so similar it's not even funny. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because even with, like, this song, and uh, 
I, ironically enough, I'm going to reference something. The, there's a, a recent video game that came out. I don't remember the name of it, but it used a song that was so clearly inspired from one of the, the songs on the Ghostbusters soundtrack. And there was no issue because it's, you can't, you know, it, it's so, so small as of a comparison that you, there really is no issue. But with this, I'd imagine one of the factors is that they used the song in the test footage. So it's clear they did take inspiration from maybe, this song. Maybe, And when they made it, you know. Well, you're telling me that Ray Parker Jr. must have seen it with Huey Lewis in the news and decided that he was going to, he was going to take it. Maybe. I don't know. It's interesting. Very interesting. You know what else is interesting? What? Your reading. It's non-existent. You're what? not a big reader. That's not true. I am a, I am a reader. I just the Tell other... me tell me about your last book. The last book I read was called Sphere. No, Sphere. All right. I read it a couple of weeks ago. It was a massive book. I read it in a weekend. All right. Well, what about Mark Twain? Have you ever read Mark Twain? I have not. But I have a great book to get started on. You want to hear about this? I do. This is called Jap Heron. In 1917, Mark Twain had been dead for seven years, but that didn't stop him from writing a new book. So there was a book that released. It was called Jap Heron. It was a not great book. It got bad reviews, but suddenly the author, or I'm sorry, she's not the author, but she's the journalist that assisted Emily Grant Hutchings. She assisted the dead Mark Twain? No, no, no. I'm going to get to this, okay. okay? Emily Grant Hutchings wrote this book. However, she claims she was not the author. No. The reason this book is notable is because it was transcribed to her from the Ouija board, talking <laughs> to the ghost of Mark Twain. <laughs> it was Mark Twain who wrote the book. From the grave, he needed to connect with her so she can get his word out there, which was apparently a very crappy book. Jap Heron. Yes. Um, the publisher Harper and Brothers. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you think this is so funny. This is bad. Um, concerned about the effect the book would have on Twain's reputation, publisher Harper and Brothers and his daughter Clara Clemens filed a lawsuit to stop further publication. They argued that, uh, that had Twain really written the book, Clemens' estate would own the copyright and Harper would have the exclusive right under contract to publish it. That's interesting. Good good strategy there. Faced with the prospect of either pulling Twain's name from a poorly reviewed novel or turning over the book's profits, the publisher agreed to cease publications and destroy all remaining copies. All this time, though, Hutchings never ended up retracting her claim that the book was dictated to her from beyond the grave. That's nuts. You can read it online or you could buy a copy of it for $400 on eBay. <laughs> now, here's the thing. Here's, here's what I'm thinking. I wonder, I wonder... If she could have gone through with it, because if she claims it was written by someone from beyond the grave, like what does the court say about that? How would they determine? Well, that's why that argument was so interesting, because they said it was it, even if it was written by him, the estate owns it. That was a but really solid argument. OK, but what if. OK, look, look, now look, I'm just going to tell you, I don't believe in the Ouija boards. OK, however. Who did you have talked to? You? Now I'm thinking, OK. I have spoken with the great author, Homer, you know, who wrote the Iliad and the Odyssey. Uh -huh. Homer, I need you to write me another epic. That's what he says he to you? He writes me. No, no, no. I tell oh, Homer tell, this. And he says, don't. No. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to do the same thing. <laughs> so I write the book, and uh-oh, 
the Homer estate says you can't do that because he'd own the copyright and, you know, he didn't write it, whatever. But now I go back to the Ouija board. Homer, I watch, I watch you to tell them that it belongs to me. Okay? Explain that I'm the copyright owner and that this is not, you're giving me the rights. And then Homer, through the use of the Ouija board, explains it. What then? Because now we've got the question, was Homer speaking through the Ouija board? And there's no wow. way, there's no way to judge if a paranormal. Uh, Who do you get as an expert witness for that case? I, I don't know. The lady uh, from Ned uh, Flanders. <laughs> I say, I think Ned Flanders. Um, I, no, I, but I mean, think about this. No. Think about this. How would this go? How would this go through? How would this go through? I don't think it's credible evidence. But I, but look, if the, okay, but if I wrote the book, okay, uh, Homer, Homer wrote this book. I he gave it to me through the Ouija board. It's okay. You can't do that because even if he did write it, it has to go to right. His so estate. Homer says, Brendan, I doth want you to write my books. Right. Own it. Reap its its rewards. Right. That's what he says but to you. But then who can stop me? The court, because that's just crazy. Yeah, but is it, it, is it? Because now the court so has to make a, a, a definitive determination. statement about ghosts. Right. And and the Ouija board. This is an interesting discussion. It is interesting. I'm going to start writing Homer's next epic. <laughs> After you talk to him, of course. Yeah, that'll be. Just don't do it without his permission. Book, my first book of 50, each of which will be from another dead author. <laughs> That's great. And I'll stop when I'm forced to or when someone tells me I'm being very rude to these authors and uh, hurting their legacy. Gotcha. All right. Last one. Yeah. Nightmare on. Elm Street. No. Oh. Nightmare on My Street. Do you, do you remember that song? I love that song. Oh. I genuinely love that song. <laughs> I think that's such a fun song. Will Smith. Will Smith. Will Smith. Who we've now spoken about twice in this episode. That's, uh, have we? Odd coincidence. That's true. Well, this is when he was the Fresh Prince. Okay. Not just of Bel Air. He was the, Fresh, the Prince. Fresh Prince. Right. That was like his his overall... Right. Yeah. So he was he was in this West Philly hip hop duo, DJ Jazzy Jeff and the Fresh Prince. He was the Fresh Prince. Got it. So 1998 had an album. He's the DJ. I'm the rapper. And there were a bunch of of um, hit singles. Parents just don't understand. Kind of cheesy, silly ones. But he also had this horror themed one, A Nightmare on My Street. Yes. All right. And it was originally considered for inclusion of the fourth nightmare on elm street but the producers decided not i to love the song it. so much you know what you know what the thing about it is that i think is uh very interesting a nightmare on my street uses the theme from nightmare on elm street that do, do yeah yeah do, do do it uses that in the song as a remixed hip hoppy version which is so awesome well it was a set like they sampled that yeah, section, like it, yeah, right? yeah 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 it was like directly it wasn't just like a vague it was specifically nightmare on elm street 100% and and when the record label BMG attempted to release a music video for the song the film producer uh, from new line or new line as the film producer filed a lawsuit for copyright infringement saying that the villain featured in the video named freddy with a burnt face and a raspy voice and a gloved hand with sharp knives, or as they say, sharp instruments protruding from his fingers, <laughs> um, that it was it was copyright infringement. Mm. And New Line actually was successful in obtaining a preliminary injunction to block the video's release because the judge rejected BMG's argument that it was fair use, right? Um, but the court said, listen, you, you took way more 
from Nightmare on Elm Street than references. Mm-hmm. Um, but you'll be interested to know, and and I, I don't know why I think I've seen the video. I have, I have seen it too. Well, now it's available on YouTube, and you can you can see this it. This is but- a weird thing I found out. Yeah, it, it it was apparently taken down for thirty years and only recently re re put up. Right, but I remember seeing it when it came out. I really? remember watching it. So I am curious about the release yeah, yeah. of the video because I, unless I'm just completely out of my mind, I remember seeing it when it came out. But maybe I'm wrong. But the song, it's a fun song. I'm glad that they didn't use it because for the movie because as Nightmare on Elm Street progressed, it got increasingly silly. And the last thing that they would have needed is a DJ Jazzy Jeff song in their fourth I don't know. I think I would have liked it. I, you know what? In, in Nightmare on Elm Street 3, the Dream Warriors, we see children <laughs> get magic powers via the use of their dreams. If you think that Nightmare on My Street is too crazy, I don't know. I think it's a great song. Well, so much it is. fun. It, when you ask Homer about permission to write his books, ask him what he thinks of DJ Jazzy Jeff and the Fresh Prince. Okay. Well, that's going to do it for this episode. This, Like I told you from the start here, we've got a series of really fun Halloween law-related podcasts that you don't want to miss. So if you've listened to this one and you like it, you're in luck because the next few episodes are going to be in the same vein. Make sure that you share this episode with other fans of Halloween and Halloween-related stuff. Or if you just like the law and you're boring like we are, make sure you subscribe to the podcast. That's going to do it. We'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to Understanding the Law Radio. If you haven't done so already, make sure that you subscribe to the podcast. We're available anywhere that you listen to your podcasts, including Amazon, Apple Music, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and many more. Also, don't forget to check us out online on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Thanks again. See you next time.